1: It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays, and same-game parlays, all on one page, plus Start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live. Same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit TheRinger.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present. In select states, gambling problem? call 100 Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG.
2: This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite because I walk around LA every day. I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little
1: All righty, let's roll, baby. It is a Friday edition of New York, New York, with yours truly, J.J. J. J. Stremski, fresh off the third annual J.J. Invitational, had a great day at Silver Lakes. The Fond was out there. I didn't even see him. Todd Zeal was hitting bombs. You know who is an underrated stud of a golfer? Our guy got Kevin Clark. I mean, my goodness. Slow news day, my ass. He is big news day bombs, whatever you want to call them. We're in a group with Todd Zeal, guy who had basically 300 home runs for his career. And Kevin Clark, we're playing more of his drives, for goodness sakes. In all seriousness, had a wonderful day, raised a lot of money for the Boys and Girls Club. Fantastic, fantastic stuff all the way around. And that's why my voice is a little hoarse. It's a little sore right now, yelling and screaming on the golf course all day. And there's a lot to get into. There's a lot to discuss. I think many of you are waiting for my thoughts right out of the gate with Aaron Boone coming back, according to Hal Steinbrenner. You know what the deal is going to be with Brian Cashman over the next few days, over the next few weeks. He's going to be back as well as Yankee general manager. That should come as a surprise to no one. To no one. We said it right after the Yankees got swept. Who in their right mind thought Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone were going to get fired? I didn't. Because I told you, this owner didn't have the chutzpah to go and do it. Despite the program being stale, despite there being a need for change, and my feelings and my validation of anger and hostility and frustration towards the Yankees, the end of the year, their message, their vibe was only vindicated in the piece that I read from Andy Martino on SNY 24 hours ago. That still has my head spinning. The idea that there were guys on the Yankees perturbed about any game, anybody, anybody, anybody getting booed shows you how tone deaf they are. And for anybody who had a problem with the fans when a team is doing nothing offensively in an American League Championship Series, these are guys I don't want here. I don't know who they are. They're anonymous sources, but I don't want them here because that shows me you don't have the stones and you don't have the right makeup to handle New York. How sickening were those quotes? And that they need a certain vibe of positivity to shield the players from the booing and the social media. Please. Team hasn't won in 13 years. All that shielding Aaron Boone has done over the last five or six years has really worked wonders. Again, I'm not surprised with the news that came down. But the messaging that is coming from the Yankees is a disgrace. It's an absolute disgrace. And I said this on Sunday night, and I'll say it again. I've been a Yankee fan since 1994. It's my heart and soul. It's my blood. I love the team. They've had some brutal losses over the years. Gut-wrenching, nauseating. Moments in which I was very angry with the Yankees. I think my level of anger and the fan base's level of anger has never been high. From ownership, to complacency, to continuing to run it back. It's a tough sell. Really, really tough sell. So, no surprises out of Yankee land. And I'm sure you guys are thrilled with the news. Honestly, walk around the city. Go get a haircut. Go get dry cleaning. Go to a bar. Go to a restaurant. Talk shop. Talk some baseball. White Yankee fan is happy about the fact that Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone are coming back. Go ask yourself that question this weekend. Go to a Halloween party. Yankee fan, you happy with Boone Cashman coming back? You know what the answer is going to be. That's telling. You know what's pretty wild? We're getting ready for football this weekend. The Giants are 6-1 and one, and the New York Jets are 5-2. and two. And we're going to have Joe go on. He has had this date circled on the calendar for weeks. The New England Patriots come to town. The New England Patriots, who have beaten the Jets in every single game, going all the way back to the Ryan Fitzpatrick, Eric Decker walk-off. They have owned the New York Jets. They have embarrassed the New York Jets to the point where Richard Richard Seymour is calling it the homecoming game. For New England a season ago, the game against the Jets. Well, now the Jets have an opportunity to take all of that built-up emotion, frustration, what have you, and take it out on a wounded Patriot team. I understand Brie Hall is not playing. I understand Vera Tucker is not playing. The Patriots are not the Patriots. They're going back to Mac Jones, the quarterback. Here's the dirty little secret. Mac Jones is stunk all year. He was awful before the injury. He comes back last week against Chicago and stunk. Let's be honest. Should have started the game. Zappi should have been in the quarterback. Belichick going back to Mac Jones. And you're throwing the level of disrespect once again with the idea that the Jets at home, winners of fourth straight, five and two on the year, are underdogs against the Patriots. If I am to believe that this is a playoff team, this is a game you got to go win. It's all in front of you. It's not that the season is over with the loss, but if you want that added level of validation, that's what Sunday is about. For a tortured fan base, for a fan base that is dying to stick it to the Patriots. We'll see if the Jets are capable of doing so. They're going to need more out of their quarterback. They're going to need more out of the passing game. We'll see what kind of impact James Robinson has. I think primarily you're going to see Michael Carter. Tough for a back to learn a playbook in a week or two weeks. But I like that Robinson move. And the Jet game to me is far more intriguing this week from a buzz storyline standpoint than the Giant game. Now look, the Giants are 6-1. and one. You guys know I've picked against them three straight weeks. Here's a little spoiler for old school, new school. I will not be picking against them for a fourth straight week. Been there, done that, not going to do it. This spot is tricky for them. Going to the West Coast, taking on the Seahawks. It's funny. You would think on a day in which you trade, a guy who was number one pick for you just less than two years ago, that it would bring you down a little bit. Not in Giantland. Because yes, they trade Kadarius Tony to the Kansas City Chiefs. It's another failed chapter in the Dave Gettleman legacy when you had the likes of Michael Parsons, you had the likes of Slater available that really could have impacted this team. They take a wide receiver who can't play. He's a malcontent. He's a knucklehead. And a year later, Brian Dable's like, get this guy off my team. Joe Shane is like, get this guy off my team. The Giants didn't do anything wrong. By trading Kadarius Tony, it's just another poor reflection of the prior general manager and his draft picks and his mindset. You name it. You don't feel that doom and gloom though with the Giants. Dude, they're six and one. They're winning games. They're well coached. They're money in the fourth quarter. Their quarterback is money in the fourth quarter. Who would have dunk it? Daniel Jones, Geno Smith, statistically speaking are playing like two of the best quarterbacks in the NFC this year. Wrap your head around that. Who had that one at the beginning of the year? Not me, that's for sure. That's a credit to the Giant quarterback. It's also a credit to Geno Smith, who, as we know, was a failed quarterback and was an immature quarterback when he was with the Jets. Sometimes it takes a certain situation for it all a click. That's the way it goes sometimes. Not in every case. Not in every instance. But that's been the case for Geno Smith. This is a game in which the Giants can keep on keeping on. It will not be easy. I think at best, they have a 45-55 chance of winning a game. I think the point spread being at three is completely spot on. I don't want to call this a house money game. There's no house money games in the NFL because narratives and injuries and perceptions can change quickly. But this is not one at 6-1 and you should expect the Giants to get. And if they do win, you know what? I'm running out of good vibes and good things to say about the team. They keep proving me wrong. They keep shutting me up every single week. We'll see if they can do it once again. I want to add this on the basketball before we get to some voicemails, before all the football stuff. I like Jalen Brunson as a player. I remember when the contract was handed out, what was it, in late June, early July, I was skeptical of the numbers. Thought it was a lot of damn money. I wondered what it meant for the bigger picture of the New York Knicks. But I got to own this and I got to acknowledge this. That dude is a legit, bonafide NBA point guard. And holla freaking Louia. You know how long I've waited to see a Nick Point guard run an offense with confidence, be a floor general, set up his teammates, know exactly what he's doing in late game situations. The basketball IQ from Jalen Brunson, and you should know this because many of you watch college basketball as I do. We saw his entire career at Villanova. The guy was always in the right place at the right time. He goes to Dallas. Luka goes down. Puts up monstrous numbers in the postseason. Well, now he's the poor general of the New York Knicks. Yes, Randall has played better. Good start for him. I was very hard on him last year. He's in better shape. He's running the floor. He's not as good, I think, as he was two years ago, but he's not going to be as bad as he was last year. He's probably somewhere in the middle. Still don't love him at the end of the games. Still, at times, forces is the issue, but he's played much better early, like that. Barrett saw starts. No surprise there. But Brunson, at the end of these games, I want the ball in his hands because I know he's going to make the right play. I know he's going to make the right decision. And I haven't been able to say that about a Nick point guard in a long, long time. I know Derrick Rose was really good, what was it, two years ago? This is a guy in the back nine of his career. Jalen Brunson is in the formative prime years of his NBA career. And for this year and for next year, Nick's got themselves a good point guard. We're very critical of the front office. We're critical of the long-term plan. That's fine. They got themselves a player. Game was dicey last night against Charlotte. That's a game they lose last year. The Orlando game and the Charlotte game. The Knicks lose those games last year. They're winning them this year. It's a good sign. Very, very good sign. And I see the Ben Simmons experience is really off to a high flying start with the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. You love to see that. Listen, I'm in a rotten mood with my sports teams right now, so the net fan's just going to have to deal with that. You know? Tweak the net, as they say. Let's do some voicemails. 917-382-1151. And we're going to take a gazillion voicemails on Sunday after Jets, after Giants, football Sunday. We'll probably record the pod right after the 4 o'clock game, so 30, 10 o'clock, you can expect to post it. But, Stefan. Good to get back to the voicemail line. We've been
3: on Spotify Live for like a month. Well, let's hear it. Hey, JJ. It's Pete in Westchester. Other call got cut off, so I'm going to hit the highlights here. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. So first of all, let me echo a few others. Um, the Spotify Lives were tremendous. You know, great venting sessions, great you know, hype-ups uh, sessions after we moved on against Cleveland. So, you know, it was great to hear from Neil Keith. Hadn't heard from him before or heard of him before. So his stakes were on the money. He was nailing every point. And of course the regulars, Syas, the Elmhurst, Newark, the Cobra, everyone was bringing the heat on those. I got in, I got through to you once on there. So I appreciate you taking, taking me on there too. So, um, but, uh, you know, the, the core, the core five, I guess, or six, uh, were really bringing it. So it was, it was fun to be a part of those. So and appreciate you being with us through the whole season. And then of course playoffs. Um, So I had a lot to say, and the previous call was cut off, so I'll try to keep this one a little b- more brief. But, um, you know, I guess the point that I wanted to make that I didn't hear, you know, maybe on the live or through the week is just, you know, first of all, you know, not addressing shortstop last year with the three free agents that were on the market, Correa, Story, Seager, you know, it was kind of understandable. I, I mean, I didn't love the IKF move, but it, it happened. And then, of course, Donaldson, not going to waste my breath. But, you know, IKF brought him in fine. He's a stopgap between, you know, here now and the younger guys, Peraza, Volpe. But when it became obvious that IKF was not the solution, I mean, I mean, I know we threw Corvera out there too a little bit, but I mean, why are you not going to Peraza straight away in September? Give the kid a month to ramp up before you're throwing him out there in the playoffs. I mean, there was just no vision there. There was no planning there, you know, and that kind of leads me to the next thing, which was just you're in the frickin' ALCS. You don't know who your leadoff hitter is. You don't know who your shortstop is. You don't know who your left fielder is. In the ALCS, you're experimenting with your bullpen in the ALCS? You're putting Clark Schmidt out there in game one because you wanted to see what you had? In
4: the ALCS?
3: Dude, that that to me was completely unacceptable. And that really should have led to Boone being fired, in my opinion. But, of course, he's extended. we got to pay the guy. We're not going to pay him to sit at home, so he's going to manage for us. And he's going to continue to be a disappointment. And Cash made some nice moves. Obviously, you can't blame him for the injuries. But he's responsible for this roster and for this body of work the last few years. He's responsible for the talent. He's responsible for this personnel decisions, as, as you said, on the lives and everything. You know, And we're going to extend him, too. We're going to reward this mediocrity and this complacency. And I think that's what's the hardest thing to swallow as the Yankees fan, is that these getting to the ALCS situations are acceptable to us now. Like, we're the Royals or we're the Pirates or were the Diamondbacks or the Marlins. And this isn't the way it should be around here. It should not. This is not the way it should be around here, man. First of all, I love the
1: passion. Thank you for all the support. You hit on a lot of stuff that I think hits home to a lot of Yankee fans. A lot of Yankee fans wanted a big shortstop, whether it was on a short-term commitment or a long-term commitment. At first, I wanted Corey Seager. Not realistic, fine. Then I want to Correa on a one year deal. They don't want to do that. The Yankees go and get Donaldson and IKF. Now, if it's a year in which Donaldson hits 250 with 30 home runs and 80 RBIs and his defense is really good, Brian Cashman looks really good for making that trade. Donaldson did not do any of those things and was an absolute zero in the postseason. You combine that with IKF, who I don't care what the metrics say. I don't care what Aaron Boone tries to tell you. The guy was a butcher at shortstop all year. It was a failed trade. It was the Yankee big move this past winter. To me, that combined with the mismanagement of Peraza and the shortstop position and the lineups being basically uh, roll out the basketball situation and try to figure out what you're going to do night after night after night type of deal. To me, we're fireable offenses. Even for a legendary general manager. Because guess what? They have not won in 13 years. They have one title in 20 plus years. This is not mocking Cashman's totality as a GM. It is critiquing, evaluating, and assessing the job he's doing now. The Yankees don't care to do so. How Peraza did not get burned at shortstop all of September is laughable. We all said it, laughable. And then game two of the ALCS, you expect boom, to just go and play shortstop. And then you go back to ICAF, of course, makes the error to end the game. I mean, it's losing. It's bad decision-making. I own a team, somebody's paying a price. And Mariano Rivera got in some trouble for that. I don't think he meant to say anything to get him in trouble, but he was right. And I'm not one of these guys saying you got to fire a manager and a GM every year. Listen, the prior manager, Joe Girardi, I defended him to the death. Like, I got on the Yankees for making a move after the Astros series. I thought it was a big mistake. They haven't come as close. Now, Girardi's career post the Yankees has not been great. Look at Rob Thompson in Philadelphia is a perfect example of that. But the idea that this is a successful season for the Yankees is lunacy. Lunacy. They're not closer to the top of baseball. They're further away. Despite being in the ALCS, see, that's the problem. Ownership, got a full house in September. They got basically four playoff games in the division series because it'll ran out and they got two games in the alcs they're okay with that i'm not but they are let that sink in for a minute who's next
3: jj what's up my man it's chris and marchmont <clears throat> you know it's been a little bit you've had a lot of uh spotify lives which have been great so uh, excited to have an opportunity for some voicemails um, and listen, I know we're equally disillusioned with the Yankees internal postmortem. So let's get on to some football. Um, as it relates to my Jets, listen, I'm going to reserve judgment on Wilson. You know, he's been concerning, uh, certainly at times in Denver in Green Bay, even early on in Pittsburgh, but he also flashed some positive and, you know, with, that we definitely didn't see his rookie year, but with the Jets, listen, I want to look ahead to the next three games. All right, just three New England and Buffalo at home. And then at New England after the bye week, that's a tough stretch. I mean, you know, we we cannot go 0 and 3 if we want to have any chance to make a run of the playoffs. In my opinion, I mean, 1 and 2 is is actually fine. 2 and 1, you'd be ecstatic. And you know, three three and 0 is not, it's just not realistic. If, if this team goes 3 and 0 in that stretch, I mean, they they literally could make a run of the division. But you know, as we look at the, those three games coming up, there's I think three entities that we have to put under the microscope. There's Zach Wilson, which is the obvious one. There's the offensive line, which is pretty obvious as well, and there's Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur needs an exciting and innovative game plan against Belichick for two out of the next three games. He's definitely going to go toe-to-toe with it. We're going to see what this guy is made of as a coordinator. Um, so I think those three components are really important. Listen, Solid bought himself some equity. You know I wasn't high on the guy, um, but he has shown some this year, and we'll see how this can continue, and we'll see how ready the team is in the stretch, but you know, I want to beat the hell out of the Patriots. Enough is enough already. You know, I think twelve straight against these guys or something like that. Uh, outside of Belichick, though, this is not any roster to write home about. I mean, it's very pedestrian. There's no Stephon Gilmore, no Gronk, no Edelman anymore. Let's go, let's go, let's get it done. So, love the work as always, man. Listen, if you if you ever want to grab a beer and some great wings up up the South Shore here of Westchester, I will lobby to get Mister Adam Shine to join us for early slate of games. Who I got to give him some credit. He did eat some crow on his Jets 0 7 prediction um, on on the show recently. But uh, anyway, man, take it easy, be well, and uh, we'll talk soon.
1: Well, I appreciate that. I got to get up there. Our buddy Kevin Clark, Kyle Brandt, a lot of greats have made their way to that neck of the woods. So I got to get my way up there at some point. So I appreciate that offer. The quarterback is going to be under the microscope for the Jets. The defense has exceeded everybody's expectations, has played great. The head coach who I was very critical of, many of the Jet fans were very critical of the job Robert Soule was doing, the receipts comment, what have you. Hey, he said it was out of character. The team backed it up because they've gone out and won a bunch of games now and have played a much better brand of football. Are they going to be able to run it as effectively without Brees Hall and without Vera Tucker? We're going to find out come Sunday. And you know this about the Patriots. Zach Wilson is going to have to make a couple of plays in this game. I'm not saying he's got to throw it 50 times in order for the Jets to win, but he's going to have to make a couple of plays. As bad as New England's run defense has been, they are going to dare Zach Wilson to throw the football. So does that require a little quirky trickery from LaFleur and the coaching staff? Perhaps. But this quarterback now has got to accelerate the development. He's got to take it up a step in weight class. The Jets are. Now it's time for the quarterback to come to play. All right, last but not least, let's hear it.
5: Hey, JJ, Charlie from Elmer's Corner. So, first of all, um, just absolute pleasure throughout the season. You and Stefan, just an exemplary work. Um, hope you guys, the best, are coming for you more. And it's an absolute honor for you guys to continue the show. And two things. So, first thing, it's uh, not surprising that this idiot manager is coming back, according to the Yankee owner. And the Yankee owner is been the face of the, not just the fan base, but also the, also some Yankee legends like Mariano Rivera. He will not bring this manager back. Derek Cheater called out the Yankees move off the show down the darkest moment in Yankee history as the motivation. It just sickens me. It's just sickening. And I'm at this point where the Yankee owner has alienated me and probably all the Yankee fans with the moves, <laughs> they may probably got to bring this uh, garbage general manager back, on and on and on. And I already have my stance on this Yankee owner and I'll make my stance. And just, it's just demoralizing and demoralizing just completely like, you know, this team is stuck in own way and it's probably 15 is probably going nowhere. They're probably going to win, like, you know, make the playoffs, but like, I don't think this team wants to like go over the top. And, how Hal is lying to himself and saying we're stupid. So that's one. Number two is uh, the New York Knicks. Now, in the summer, we said that, oh, if it's just Jalen Brunson, it's not good enough. And I think this team is one star away, one star, one more big star away. But the play of Jalen Brunson is promising. How he run the point. He's a fourth general. He makes clutch shots. And the team assist totals are up. And the last two games, the Knicks would have lost. Last, you know, in the past years they were lost because without the point guard situation and Julius Randle running the point, that that's a disaster. And it's nice to see. And of course, another thing is that RJ Barrett, um, you know, guys know for slow start, but and last year he left a lot of points on the free throw line, and they crushed free throws and uh Last game is uh with The Hornets. And we'll see how it goes with the Knicks. So far, I like the fact that the point guard situation is rather promising with Brunson. And I think he knows how to handle this. Handle the situation very well and we'll see how the Knicks goes. Um, with this Knicks seven games throw against the contenders from last year's uh playoffs. So we'll see how the Knicks goes and the Giants and everything. So yeah, that's all. My, that's all it helps. So yeah, take care and yeah, Charlie,
1: I'm glad you got something to feel good about because after all the nonstop Yankee component we've been doing over the last few weeks, it's good to have something that puts you in a better mood. And watching Jalen Brunson has done that so far. You hit on something that's super important. Now, still a lot of my points from the open. So you're a smart man. What can I say? But the ball movement. That's another thing that I've noticed with this Knicks team early. It's early, but they are doing a much better job getting the basketball around. They're playing a better brand of offensive basketball. It's early. You don't want to get nuts. Remember, they got up to a fast start last year and completely went in the tank. They're a deep team. They got a lot of guys who can play. That's going to shoot you well over the course of an NBA regular season. Like The effort level, I think, from the Knicks is going to be pretty good night in and night out. Is there a limited ceiling for what this team can do this year? Yes. But they're better. There's no doubt. And having Brunson on the team makes you significantly better. So, good stuff for the Knicks. No complaints. Listen, I got a lot to complain about. The Knicks, right now, not on that list. All right, all football stuff. Benigno's charming at the bit. I mean, he played golf today. Nahal wants to report. He's going to the Jet Game Sunday. So, we'll see how that goes. Benigno in in the Cats. Football Friday. New York, New York. Who does it better? No, old buddy. Come right back.
0: Just because you wrestle alligators for a living, doesn't mean you should have the skin of one. <sighs> Say goodbye to dry and cracked skin with old spice, super hydration, body wash with vitamin B3 made for 24 seven, renewing moisturization with daily use with scent of vanilla and Shea. People will think you've taken up candle making as one of your hobbies and there is nothing wrong with that. Old spice, super
1: hydration, body wash. Shop Old Spice now. It's now time for Old School, New School. We welcome in Joe Beningo. First things first, Joe. Saw you today. Thank you for coming to the third annual JJ Invitational. And I think the listening audience wants to know, what was Joe Beningo's impression of Silver Lake Golf
6: Course? No, I thought it was a very nice, excellent course. Uh, You know, challenging course. Uh, a lot of elevated greens, you know, you don't see that a lot. There was a lot of, a lot of undulation, a lot of elevated greens, not a whole lot of real, you know, big hazards or anything, but uh, you know, like you said, you, we were talking about it. You know, you got to hit the ball straight. I thought the greens were very good. I thought the greens were very fair, not too fast, but not too slow. You know, you could, you know, you got a good gauge on how you had to hit the ball I actually put it pretty well today. Uh, you know, but I, I look, I, I thought it was a great course. I'm, I'm glad to you now. enjoyed it, Let's and I'm looking forward week. to we'll going do back. Something this week.
1: There we go. Right. I may have to bring Joe some bagels, some pizza to bring home, so he gets a little Staten Island no, eatery no, no. on no. the Don't way worry,
6: home. Man. Let's do it. Let's do it next week. We'll get Stefan out there too.
1: I like the sound of it. Now, before we get to the picks, and you have been yep. red hot over the last couple of weeks, I have been
6: pretty good. Yeah, you're
1: New York Jets. Yeah, they are red hot. Yep. This is a game you've had circled on the calendar now for quite a while. Yeah, no Brees Hall, no AVT. Is the confidence level and the swagger level from Beningo as high as it would have been
6: before these injuries? Yeah, no. I look. I think they're going to kick their ass. I, 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 I really do. I mean, I, you know, I. I, I there's so many things that work here. You know, you we talked about it. The uh, lack of respect angle. The fact that they're still underdogs in this game, which is mind-boggling to me against a, a let's be honest a lousy patriot team okay they're three and four they just got their rear rents handed to them by the bears at home uh they're having quarterback problems i think the jets are ready to just lay the wood you know they knew what happened last year they kind of ran they they didn't kind of they ran the uh, ran the score up on him in foxborough the whole richard seymour homecoming nonsense um i i think they're going to kill him bro i think the defense I think my defense is as good as any in football right now. And, and I mean that. I, I really do. I hang my hat on them. I think, think we've got the best secondary in football. I think we've got the best corner tandem in the game right now. Uh, I, so I'm very, very uh, high on my defense. Thank God they're all healthy. Thank God, as I knock on wood. I, I like the move of Roberts. I thought Joe Douglas wasted a little time. It, Joe Douglas showed you all you need to know about what he thinks of this team and what he thinks they can do this season by after Brees goes down, immediately going out and getting this kid Robinson from the Jaguars. You know, he's a good player. I mean, I didn't really know too much about him, but this guy is 1,000-yard rush from last year. Uh, you know, he had some good years there. He got hurt, I guess. Was it last year he got, I guess, two years ago, he rushed for 1,000. Had a good year last year. Then got hurt, actually, against the Jets. Had, like, eight touchdowns, almost, eight, nine, almost 800 yards, I think, rushing. I think that's a great move. You know, you got three guys that can run the ball with Carter, Johnson, and now Robinson. I think the ABT injury, I think it's a little easier to overcome because they got depth in. And I don't know if Fant is going to play this week. I know he's supposed to come off IR. Maybe he will. I don't know what the deal is. But, you know, when Fant comes back. He actually got two legitimate tackles in Fant and, and Dwayne Brown on the other side. So, but I, I hang my hat on the defense. I, I think this defense is big time. I think the, this defense has the, a chance to be the best defense we've ever had. I, and I, I don't, I mean it, ever had. And they're playing like it right now. So, Long story short, play. Joe we'll is see.
1: giddy about his Jets. That's what it boils down to. I'm giddy. To. You are downright delirious, ball. as you like to say. And listen, but one, but, you but, should be giddy.
6: This, this. Quarterback's got to be better. He's got to be better. Off, but they can't lose this game. This game, if they lose this game, they went—they take three steps backwards. If they win this game, they put themselves in tremendous position where they'd be 6-2. and two, Playing Buffalo next week for the for the lead in the division is what they would be doing, okay? But it almost would be like a house money game next week if they're six and two playing the Bills at at uh, seven and one. That game is basically a house money football game. Really so, is.
1: sir, I have some feelings. I have some thoughts on this game. It might be a part of the picks. You'll have to wait and see. But. Go ahead. I have to cede the honors to you. You had another terrific week. You were 4-1 yeah. last week. Very hot. 4-1, the loss only loss was the Pats, which you were right. happy about to begin right. with. So I give indeed. you the honors. It's week eight. I can't believe it's week eight
6: already, Joe. But the floor is yours. Uh, you know, this is a weird week. I went with some very interesting picks this week, okay? I'm taking some chances. And I think you got to like do that, that I like with that. the way the league is right now. So... I'm 2013-2 and two on the year. After you mentioned the 4-1, and one, I was happy to lose the one game I did because I watched the Patriots get their ass handed to them by the Bears. So I'm starting with this. I won with this team last week. I'm going with them again, and that's the Carolina Panthers. I'm taking the Panthers plus four in Atlanta against the Falcons. The Panthers are 2-0 and oh in the division, stunningly. I mean, you know, they beat Tampa last week, killed Tampa, beat the Saints as well. I think they got something. All of a sudden, they get rid of McCaffrey. They get rid of Rule. They get rid of Robbie Anderson. And all of a sudden, it seems like last week this team gelled last week. I mean, it really did. P. J. Walker at quarterback, or whatever you want to say. And and I don't buy the Falcons. Uh, you know look, Uh the Falcons they lost Like They got they got whacked last week, a game I had as well with the Bengals. I had that game, uh Cincinnati Lane, six and a half. Um, you know, they, I know the Falcons, they beat the Niners a couple weeks ago. It's a very, very weird division, and I think this division is going to probably have maybe a team going 7-10 and and seven and 10 even to win it. I'm taking the Panthers plus four in Atlanta against the Falcons, and I'm going to say the Panthers will win the game outright.
1: I like that pick. I wasn't going near either one of these teams, but the idea that Atlanta still continues to be as trendy as they have been yes. makes you think it's time to go the other way. And you're right about Carolina. They have been spunky the last few weeks. Four points in a division game. I think it's the right call. Joe, right out of the gate, I'm going with my best bet of the week. I love the Cowboys this week. I absolutely adore the Cowboys laying nine and a half against the Chicago Bears. Chicago off the emotional win in New England. (laughs) Good call. Now it's a short week for them. Dallas is tremendous defensively. There is no way in the world the Chicago Bears are going to have this success running the football the way they did against New England and that porous run defense a week ago. And it's another week for Dak. It's another week for him to get comfortable within the offense. I think this is a margin victory for the Cowboys. Now, I thought last week might be dicey for them, and it was for three-plus quarters. Ugly, they found a way to win. They actually found a way to cover. I think this is far more a pill of the post type of game. The Bears are not as good as their record. Let's be honest. They are not a talented team. The fact that they're basically a game under 500, I think is stunning with the roster they have. And, oh, by the way, they just traded away Robert Quinn. I'm in on Dallas. I'll weigh nine and a half. I think they
6: win going away. Good call. I like the call in that game. All right, game two, bro. You're not going to like it, but I'm taking the Lions getting the three and a half against the Dolphins. Uh, I I just got a feeling about this game, okay? I didn't like what I saw last week from Miami against Pittsburgh. I mean, they won the game. I understand Tua was, you know, rusty. He hadn't played in a couple weeks. I get that. I, I just got a feeling here. I know the Lions aren't any good. They got whacked last week by by the Cowboys. Okay, we saw what the what the Patriots did to them a few weeks ago. They they killed them. They shut them out twenty nine nothing. You're getting a hook in this game as well, and you know the Lions were scoring a lot of points early in the year. So I I don't know what to make of them, but I you can get mad at me, bro. I, I I'm just I don't love your team. I'm taking the Lions plus three and a half. I don't know if they win. I think the hook kind of kind of swayed me to go this way. I just got a feeling about Detroit here. So, sorry, bro. Give me the Lions plus three and a half at home against your Dolphins.
1: So, I don't hate the pick. And the reason I don't hate the pick, that hook makes a big, big difference. Big difference. And the Miami Dolphins right now, Joe, are decimated <laughs> on defense. They lost their starting safety, Brandon Jones, for this season. They're down to a lot of second and third string corners. And Detroit is getting healthier on offense. DeAndre Swift is going to play. It looks like St. Brown is going to play. And then the Lions maybe are going to look closer to the offense we saw in week one, week two, and week three. And the total in that game, Joe, is 51 and a half. Mm. So what is that telling you? Vegas thinks there's going to be a lot of points points. scored with the Dolphins and the Lions. I'm with them on that. I think Miami finds a way, but I think that hook could be significant at the end of the game. So it's a stay away for me, and I'm not going to fight you on the lines at plus three and a half. Now, for my second pick, I'm going with the sucker bet of the week because to me, the sucker bet of the week is the Tennessee Titans laying two and a half against mm. the Houston Texans. A lot of people are going to look at Tennessee. They're red hot. They've won a bunch of games in a row. It looks like they're poised to go and run away mm. with this division, despite the fact, Joe, they haven't looked particularly good. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. at Indianapolis, yeah. We I yeah. had the Titans last week. Indianapolis kept killing themselves with turnovers. Tannehill has been unimpressive. His status is kind of iffy going into this game. And I know this about the Texans. They compete. They run the football. They've played decent defense. It's a division game on the road. And I just don't get the sense Tennessee this year with this roster is just going to win this division by three or four games. I think they're going to sweat a little bit. I'm taking the Houston Texans. I think they win a game outright. But I'll gladly take the two and a half.
6: I am. Uh, we have a family play because I love the Texans as well. Get two and a half. Uh, you know, at home against Tennessee. Everything you said. Division game. I'm not sold on how good the Titans are. That division stinks, man. I'm telling you know. I, I, I nine know and eight is thing. probably winning that division. Let's right. be honest. Nine and eight. Right. I, right. I don't know if it's as bad as the uh, some of the divisions in the NFC, the NFC South, even the NFC West right now. But I. I I'm with you on the on the Texans. They won the, the one game they won early in the year. They beat uh, it was a division game over the Jaguars. They tied a division game early in the year with the Colts. I'm I'm with you, bro. Uh, you know I don't love Mills the quarterback and all that, but this is going to be a close game. This is the kind of game Tennessee loses. I'm with you. Give me the Texans on a family play plus two and a half at home against the Titans.
1: All right, game number three. You got an Arizona team coming off a big win on Thursday night against the Minnesota team. That's coming off their buy. Now, I don't think the Minnesota Vikings are, are great shakes by any means, Joe. But the idea that the public is pounding the Arizona Cardinals, please, based upon what? Beating a New Orleans Saints team that is totally decimated by injuries? I think this is the sort of game Minnesota goes and drops 30-plus points on them. I think they'll be prepared after the buy. I think Kirk Cousins will come out firing with Jefferson, with Thielen. I think they'll run the football effectively. and Minnesota. All of a sudden, you look, they're rattling off a whole lot of wins. They may not be impressive, but they are poised to go and win this division pretty comfortably. I'm going to lay three and a half here. I don't trust the Cardinals. I don't believe in the Cardinals. Give me the Vikings as a favorite. I love them. Three and a hook. I think they win by
6: double digits. Well, you know what? We have our second family play because I love the Vikings. You're not in front this week, Joe. I like uh, it. Uh, uh, every Everything you said about them. Look, I don't love Minnesota. I think they're a flawed team, but they're on their way to winning, like you said, their division easily. they got a three-game lead now over the Packers in the loss column in that division. Uh, you know they can score points. I-, I don't know what to make of the Cardinals. You're right. I mean, am I supposed to get excited over, you know, the uh, beating the, uh, the uh, beat-up Saints last week? You know, Andy Dalton throwing a couple pick-sixes in that game. You know, I mean, even the game they won against uh, against the Raiders earlier in the year was like a, a miracle win for them. It was almost like the Raiders handed them the game with that fumbling all the time after they scored on the last play of the game, all of that stuff. Now, I like Minnesota, too. Now, at home, three and a half. This, is this to me, is a double-digit win for the for the Vikings. I, I'm with you 100%. So we have two family plays. Minnesota laying three and a half at home against uh, Arizona.
1: All right, Joe, for game four, I'm going to Monday Night Football, which I normally don't do because I don't like waiting around for the pick. But this week I'm doing it because I had this spot circled. This is make or break time for the Browns. Their season is on the line. They they need a win. They need a good showing. And the minute I saw that Jamar Chase injury news, the fact that he now is going to be out for four to six weeks, it made the decision that much easier for me. I love Cleveland in this game. It's a rivalry game. They're at home. It's Monday night. Bengals coming off a win. Nobody wants to bet the Cleveland Browns. I don't think Cleveland is a particularly good team this year. But I think they're better in their record. And I think in a division game, desperate team, now Cincinnati loses their best playmaker, and I'm getting three and a half points, done. Where do I sign? This has field goal game written all over it. Game four, another dog. Give me the brownies, plus three and a half.
6: All right, bro. For my final game, I'm going – you went to Monday Night Football. I'm going to Sunday Night. I'm laying the big number with the with the Bills over the absolutely horrendous Green Bay Packers. You know, Buffalo's coming off their buy. This is this is another one of these games, as I said earlier in the year, when they just destroyed Pittsburgh, but they beat them 38-3. This has a similar feel to it, really. Green Bay's terrible. They got no playmakers whatsoever. Their offensive line is not good. Their defense is okay at best. They have an overrated head coach who lo- looks like he's lost now because you know what do I do? A Hall of Fame quarterback is getting more and more frustrated. And I thought it was interesting after they got lost again to the Commanders last week. Another game I had, by the way. After they lost again, they, they, now what is it? Three straight they lost to two New York teams, and that's it. Lost three in a row now. They look perplexed there. Rodgers after the game makes a comment, "Well, you know, we're going to play Sunday night football, you know, uh maybe this is maybe this is what we need to get us to to focus on playing football. They can focus all they want. The Bills are vastly superior. This ha- this this Packer team is going to be a, a six-win team, something like that. Maybe they'll win seven. They, they will not be a 500 team. I think Buffalo's going to kill them. I really do. 11 and a half? Eh, this is an e- easy 20. 20- to 28-point win for the Bills. Uh, give me Buffalo late 11-and-a-half on Monday night at home against Green Bay.
1: Going with the monster spread, I'm saving the best for last, and I think you're going to like this. Joe, I'm on the Jets. I'm on okay. the Jets. I have not all taken right. them all year. I think it's their time. You're due to beat the Patriots. You haven't beat them since the Eric Decker-Ryan Fitzpatrick game. 12
6: straight losses, bro. 12, 12 straight. straight. losses. I know. New
1: England going back to Matt Jones, at quarterback, which, by the way, is a mistake because Big Zappy mistake. has outplayed him Gappy's dramatically better. Better. over the course of this year. And Joe, you know what else I love this week? The Pats are a favorite and everybody and their mother is betting the Pats. Sign me up right now. Two and a half. And Joe, you and the great Tommy Keenan will be walking Real out media. of that stadium smiling ear to ear, giddy as can be, and the Jets are going to win another game. The only fear I have is the quarterback screwing it up? If he takes care of the ball and you Don't run it effectively, away. the defense will go and win you the game. Mac Jones has made a lot of mistakes so far this year. So I'm taking the Jets. Plus two and a half is my final play of the week.
6: Let, let me say this. Kurt Schilling back in uh 04, times when the, the, the great rivalry with the Yankees, he talked about the Yankees and going into Yankee Stadium, and he talked about, you know, they like a they're like a stripper, Aura and Mystique. OK, and that's all that's left now of the New England Patriots is aura and mystique. Yeah, the great Belichick is still there, but that's it. You know, like FDR once said, the only thing to fear is fear itself. That's basically it. The Jets are a better team than the Patriots. And they have they got they got so much motivation for all the beatdowns. for the way Bill ran the score up on him last year in, in Foxborough when they put 54 on him, you know. They're gonna be wearing these stupid black uniforms, which bothers me because they've been wearing the white with the black pants and winning every week. And that's I don't know why see. you would mess with that, but then again, what do I know? I mean, because because they gotta. I, I, it's Halloween, and apparently that's what the owner wants. But I heard Bart Scott say this on the SNY show on the Jet uh the game plan show just before we went on the air here, and he's a hundred percent right. If you're gonna wear these badass uniforms wearing black, then you got to go out there and play like badass. And that's what they gotta do. They gotta lay the damn wood to this team. And this they win this game, they have set their season up now for a big, big playoff run. I mean, I I don't think there's any question. You win this game, they get the six and two. You now you got a house money game next week against Buffalo for the division lead going into your buy. And that that would be a house money game. So, bro, I hope you're right, but like Again, I'll say what Bart Scott said. He said, if you're going to wear the black uniforms and you're going to look like badasses, well, you better be playing like badasses. And as I said, all that's left of the Patriots is aura and mystique. And the Jets are better than aura and mystique.
1: Well, Joseph, Carolina, Detroit, Texans, Minnesota, we got two family plays. Yeah. And Buffalo minus 11. Yeah. I got the Cowboys laying nine and a half, the Texans plus two and a half. Vikings family play, Brownies plus three and a half, and the New York Jets plus two and a half. And hopefully, Joe, the Jets and Robert Sella will not pull a page from the Aaron Boone playbook and show you replays of the Ghosts and Uh, uh, the game last year and the butt fumble. Can you be that tone deaf, bro? And and the fact that they are bringing these two numbskulls back. Give me a break, bro.
6: Yeah, I don't get it. Well, I don't get what what Steinbrenner's doing there. Uh, this is a big mistake for the Yankees. Joe, time think about it. The go. Yankees
1: used to fire everyone. The Yankees yep. and the Cowboys yep. now they don't fire anybody anymore.
6: Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, look, um, Cashman's been there too long. He's he's a great, he's all time great GM, probably a Hall mm-hmm. of Famer as a GM. You're you're somewhere over twenty plus years now. It's time for a new voice. It's there. time
1: for change, and and Karen it's Boone, not a knock Karen on Brian. It's time Karen for change. Boone, not,
6: Right, I don't want to say Aaron Boone's a terrible manager, but the bottom line is they, they can't win the big game. They can't even get they can't get to the World Series, so they got to sign Judge. I mean, Judge was terrible in the playoffs, but that could be said pretty much for everybody not named Harrison, Bader, and and Rizzo. Pretty much, um, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say about the Yankees. Uh, I'll sum I'm it up. I'm with you. Out. I'm with you on those two guys, though.
1: I'll sum it up to quote you: oh the pain."
6: Oh, pain. Never yeah, thought exactly. I'd use that
1: terminology for the Yankees, but guess what? Yep. That's where yep. we're at, bro. No, hey,
6: look. who do you like in the World Series? Like the Astros? Astros. So he's got a little magic going on. They up. do.
1: They're spunky, and they'll be in it. Astros in six. Better team. Yeah.
6: Okay. They are the better team. There's no doubt about it. Well, Joseph, bro,
1: enjoy MetLife Stadium. Hopefully, you will be delirious on the golf I course so. next week. And I thank you so. for
6: coming today. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, bro. Let's do something Wednesday. Get Stefan out there. All right?
1: That's the great Joe Art Arthur Caesar, with grades up next. We go from old school, new school to our guy in the desert. Arthur Caesar, Superbook, Westgate. Art, right, I need a winning week. i got to get back to winning ways. Amigo, got to get that Yankee
2: stench out of my system. God, What's let's up, do it, buddy? JJ. I'm with you. Let's get that out of the way. No interest in the World Series. Glad we're not talking about it. Let's dive into some week, uh, what is it, week nine football, week eight. Let's do it.
1: Uh, I'm going to ask you a quick question on the World Series. I know we want to get baseball out of our system. You guys have more liability from an Astros or a Phillies perspective? You know,
2: overall, both results will be fine results for us in the futures market, no matter who wins the World Series. When I talked to you last week, it was we really needed to get the Padres out of there. We had some big Padres futures as far as World Series and to win the NL pennant when the playoffs started. So we were really pulling for the Phillies to knock out the Padres now no matter who wins the World Series it won't matter. Now we'll just be worried game to game and kind of what the series is. We opened the Astros minus 180. Astros are now minus 185 so it's ticked up a little bit but you know that's been more of a market move because we actually have more money right now in the series for the underdog Phillies so we're really just moving with the market there. Really nothing sharp to report.
1: Okay. Let's get to this NFL card. I'm going with a local team right out of the gate. You want to explain this one to me? How do Jets underdogs against New England this week? It's a
2: great question. I think there's a couple of things. I think we've talked about this pretty much the last couple of weeks on this pod. Both New York teams have been pretty disrespected in the betting market. Giants for sure, and the Jets as well. I think New England, obviously they had the stinker on Monday night. They'll be on the short rest. I don't think that really hurts them that much. Belichick off the loss. I think that's what people are looking at. How could Belichick lose two in a row? they will have the team ready to go. Also, too, all the money so far has been on the Patriots, and that's sharp money. So we took a lot of early sharp money on New England, minus two and a half. I think if we ever get to three, there'll be some nice public buy on the Jets because they'll see the home divisional dog getting three points and there'll be some buy there but right now we're pretty buried to the Patriots
1: then you get to the giant line I think that line is spot on my dad it's Seattle minus three and art after picking against the Giants the last three weeks I ain't doing it bro I ain't going anywhere near this team no you, thank you, you and I both
2: I can't I keep saying this is the week this is the week and this is a Giants fan sitting there at 6-1, and 6-1 and one against the spread. This is the week the Giants look ordinary. And, you know, if you dive into, like, the box scores, they're not doing anything tremendous. They're really not. They're not, like, killing the turnover battle. You know, sometimes they'll have some good time of possession. It's not like Jones is playing out of his mind. They're just there knowing how to win these type games. The coach obviously is good. But there's something kind of brewing with Seattle. Geno Smith has been really good. They're obviously going to be good at home. I'm with you. This is the classic home team laying free. No, no edge on either side. If this was on a neutral field, it'd be a pickup.
1: Before we get to my picks and Joe's picks, would you say that Tennessee laying two and a half this week is the sucker bet slash fishiest? Well, of it's the fish one of them.
2: I wrote another one down, and let me say something about that one. All the sharp money early in the week came in on Houston plus four, Houston plus three and a half. And we've gotten down now to that two-and-a-half. The public will jump all over the Titans now that they see the two-and-a-half. They'll see that two-and-a-half, and and they'll go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Titans now own the division. Houston is kind of spunky. They hung in there late with the Raiders last week and then you know gave up the cover. But wait, we'll take the Titans minus three-and-a-half. Sharp people on top of the Texans early in the week. I think Atlanta, keep your eye on Atlanta. Atlanta minus four at home. First time they're a favorite. I know they're six and one against the spread, but now they got to play the favorite role. And Carolina's in one of those no lose situations. They got rid of their coach, who they clearly hated. They got rid of problem guys like Robbie Anderson. And then they got rid of McCaffrey. And when you're always like, hey, we got to, you know, everything's McCaffrey, everything's McCaffrey. Now other guys can flourish. They won last week. Maybe there's a letdown, but there are guys on that stack and there are guys in that locker room who are probably playing for their lives. So, I think Atlanta minus four is kind of a sucker bet.
1: All right, all right, let's get to the picks this week. For Joe, he's got Carolina as one of the five. He's got Detroit against my beloved Miami Dolphins laying, or giving, three and a half. Uh, Houston plus two and a half. Minnesota laying three and a half. Buffalo laying 11. I am rolling with the Cowboys, the Texans, the Vikings, the Browns, and the Jets. So we have a couple of family plays here. No heads-up action. Joe's picks, my picks. Well, let me get to both your
2: family plays. I like both the family plays. I like Houston. We just discussed Houston. I know kind of the best number has been missed, but I still believe in the divisional home dog getting points. So I like Houston in that spot. I think that's really nice. I'm with you guys on Minnesota. Minnesota coming off a bye so under the radar. Five and one. Everybody talks about the evils in the NFC undefeated and they should, but Minnesota sitting there quietly as one of the two or three best teams in the NFC. Arizona to me is still no good. I, I don't like the quarterback. I don't like the coach. I know they got Hopkins back, but I would lay the points with Minnesota. So both your family plays. I'm in Obviously we'll start with Joe, Joe on Carolina. I'm with that. I think that that line's probably too high. It probably should be more Atlanta two or two and a half. So you're getting Carolina with the four. I think that's nice. I can't roll with him with Detroit. I think the Dolphins' offense will look really good this week against Detroit's defense. I know Detroit's can be spunky, but they've had a bad year, 1-5, just not doing anything. You know, the Campbell magic is kind of rubbing off a little bit. And I know I might, you know, eat my words with this, but I can't lay eleven with Buffalo. Aaron Rodgers is going to get 11 points. It just seems like too many. I know that's a very square side to be on, to like Green Bay in that spot, but... It just seems like too much. The Buffalo tax we always talk about. So I do like three out of two of Joe's or three out of five Joe's pick. So, you know, his card is looking good to me. Cowboys, I'm with you. Cowboys is the sharp side too. And it's funny. We had sharp money coming on Dallas at 10. And then it's coming at nine and a half at well. So sharp guys weren't even scared to lay the 10. You would think the Bears would have a little bit of a letdown. Dallas' defense is going to allow the Bears to do absolutely nothing. I don't know how... Chicago even scores against Dallas. So you you feel good laying under the 10 with Dallas, Houston and Minnesota. We talked about Cleveland once again, home divisional dog getting points. Now Jamar chases out. You got the good number at three and a half. So even if they lose by a field goal, you're good. The one I will go against with you and push back a little bit is the Jets because of all the sharp money I've seen coming on new England. So I kind of have to keep my eye on all that sharp money and think, well, maybe there's something there. So JJ, once again, four out of five on yours, man. We got to put a winning week together for you. I am giving you my blessing again. If it doesn't work out this week, we might have to go another route, my friend.
1: I like the sound of that. Now it's your time to shine. We need a big week for you. Yeah, what we're do gonna do it two together?
2: in a row. Now four and three on the teasers. Now listen, there were some teasers this week. You know, there was. A, I think there's a lot of things you can tease. A lot of get over the seven type spots. So. I found a couple. One of yours is a family play, so we're all going to be riding on this. I like Houston. Give me Houston. It's going to be a two-team six-point tease. So we're going to make Houston plus eight and a half. And then I'm also going to go with one of your picks on Monday night. Give me the brownies. Now I'm going to make the brownies. It is three, so I'm going to take the nine. So I'm going to make the brownies plus nine. So I like both those home teams. I think they could both win the game. And now I'm basically getting over the touchdown close to ten points. Two-team six-point teaser this week. Texans plus
1: eight and a half, Browns plus nine. And I love A. Ryan with both of my plays. Let's absolutely do it. fantastic, absolutely positively fantastic. All right, Arthur to Caesar. Good work, absolutely. Jason, some right, tickets, my
2: man.
1: That's Art to Caesar over at the Superbook. We'll wrap it up with our buddy Jason Katz, fantasy stuff, Pro Football Network. Right after this. So to wrap up Week Eight, it is hard to believe it is Week Eight. Our regular football Friday contributor from the Pro Football Network. I'm going to give him a little bit of credit for one of my teams that's six and one this year. That's our pal, Jason Katz. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Doing well. Always happy to be here. Jason, let's start here. Trade deadline stuff in the NFL. It seems like now there are a lot more moves that are made midseason than in years past. Now, in some prior years, we could think about moves that were made that had like a direct correlation on the team that added a certain player and the team that lost a certain guy because then all of a sudden somebody else gets an opportunity and somebody else gets a chance. Christian McCaffrey leaving Carolina, now in San Francisco. Where do you see that shaking out from a fantasy perspective? Clearly McCaffrey is going to get his. He's got more competition in San Francisco. But is there, dare I say, an opportunity to maybe go and get somebody from Carolina or to inherit somebody that's already in that backfield?
0: Well, I think that, I mean, I'm very surprised that, like, fantasy Twitter was very torn about the impact of the move to San Francisco for McCaffrey. Because to me, it's a clear upgrade. He's on a better offense. And there was definite concern, for me at least, that. Eventually, they might just shut down McCaffrey. He tweaks a hamstring or something like that. We're in week 12, 13. Carolina's got four wins. They shut him down. San Francisco's competing. They're they're probably going to make the playoffs. There's now no risk of them shutting McCaffrey down with some sort of minor. minor So from that perspective, good for McCaffrey's long-term value. And again, on a better offense. Plus, we've got this Debo Samuel hamstring injury. Uh, That that touch tweeze may open up a little bit if it's now just McCaffrey, Kittle, and Ayuk. So that's good news from McCaffrey. Obviously, not so good for Debo. We don't want anybody to hurt. Then from the Carolina perspective, I was on Team Truba Hubbard. I thought he would be the guy. And he he had the start, and it was looking like it was Chuba Hubbard as the main guy. And he tweaked an ankle. We saw Foreman get like seven carries late in the game. He busted off a big one. And now Hubbard hasn't practiced as of today. So we might be looking at Deontay Foreman as a near every down back against the weak Atlanta Falcons defense, at least for week eight. I think Foreman could be an RB, two. Do
1: you have any interest in Kadarius Tony, now a member of the Kansas City Chiefs?
0: I mean, the issue with Tony was never his talent. It was he didn't play football. I mean, I think at this point, I believe he has been on the injury report with seven different injuries. He's been in the league for less than two years. This is, it's just insane how banged up this guy is. And one of the issues or one of the rumors we saw is that there was a discrepancy between him and the Giants over how healthy he actually was. He believed he was healthy enough to play. They did not. No longer an issue now. He's with Kansas City. They're on by this week. Maybe we'll see him next week. Um, I think that if he's available in your league, at this point it's probably too late, but hopefully you could have picked him up and stashed him because playing with Patrick Mahomes, an explosive athletic player, you take the shot. Do I think he'll be useful? Not really, but
1: he's certainly worth the upside play. Jason, now it's time, my friend. Matchups of the week. We start with the quarterback position, Sarah. Digging deep this week and going down to
0: Houston with Davis Mills. The Titans are downright awful against the pass. They allow the ninth-most fantasy points to quarterbacks, and the Texans are not afraid to throw when trailing. They have a 71% pass rate in negative game script. Mills threw for 300 yards and two touchdowns last week while playing comeback against the Raiders. We could get something similar this week, so I like Davis Mills as a streaming option. On the other side, Justin Fields, who has been much better lately. In fact, he's been a QB1 over the past three weeks. But this week, against the Dallas Cowboys, allowing just 10.6 fantasy points per game to quarterbacks, I cannot trust him. I think the pass rush is going to just eat him alive. Fields may be able to buttress his score with some rushing, but I'm not not even sure he scores a touchdown this week. So I'm going to fade Justin Fields.
1: Well, considering I'm on Dallas minus nine and a half, I like the sound of fading Justin Fields. That works for me. Let's get to running back, buddy.
0: I think you'll like the sound of the running back, too. we are starting with your guy. Raheem Mostert. I like it. Raheem the dream. I love it, bro. I love it. Raheem the dream. Maybe We're calling him Raheem must start this week. The Lions allegedly have a run defense. I haven't seen it. They allow the second most fantasy points to running backs. They've allowed 12 rushing touchdowns on the season already. Mostert's snap share is hovering around 70% now. Chase Edmonds is a pure backup, and boy, does he look awful every time he's on the field. I am very confident in Mostert, and I'm confident that he finds the end zone this week. Might be a little touchdown prop I got going on. On the other side, David Montgomery. However you feel about starting guys like Brian Robinson or Tyler Algier, Montgomery is viewed above these guys in fantasy, but he's not. They're the same player. They're hoping for about 40 to 60 yards and a touchdown. Montgomery's value always came from volume. Last week, though, season low 56% of the snaps. Khalil Herbert is the flat-out better player. And Montgomery's passing game usage is all but gone. Just one target the past two weeks. The Cowboys allow the second fewest fantasy points to running backs, so we're fading all the Bears this week. Like the sound of that? Let's get to wide receiver. All right, and again, we're, we're correlation here. Going back to Houston, Brandon Cooks. Been a rough year for Cooks. He's kind of been a matchup-based play only, but this is the matchup. Everyone throws on the Titans. They allow the second most fantasy points to wide receivers. Nico Collins is out. There's nobody else there. And The Titans are allowing. A 65% completion rate on downfield passes. I think Cooks catches a deep one this week. And on the other side, Christian Kirk. He bounced back last week after three straight duds, but this is an awful spot. The Broncos, uh, uh, the second fewest fantasy points to wide receivers, and they completely erase wide receiver ones. Guys such as Mike Williams, the aforementioned Brandon Cooks, Michael Piven, and DK Metcalf have been erased by the Broncos' defense. The only wide receiver one to break through against them was Devontae Adams, and Christian Kirk is not Devontae
1: Adams. Kirk would probably do well to get the 10 fantasy points this week. Jason, I'm going to leave you with this. Quarterback right now. I'm in a league where I'm basically streaming two dudes. It's two and Trevor Lawrence in one league. It's Geno Smith and Tom Brady in another league. I can't believe I'm saying yet again, I'm going to start Geno Smith as we tape this at halftime of Sunday Night Football over Tom Brady. What is your advice to anyone if you don't have one of the big boys at quarterback? Is it matchup based? Is it One, two, three, four weeks down the road, how would you handle quarterback? At this
0: point, if you don't have Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, and maybe I'll throw Joe Burrow in there with how he's been playing, you are pretty much just hoping every week. There is nobody else that I consider every week must start no matter what, and you really should play the matchups. I'm actually starting Davis Mills in a league this week because my other option was Trevor Lawrence, and I recently dropped Russell Wilson. So, I mean, I know Davis Mills. like Really, Davis Mills? Yeah, that's where we are with quarterbacks because there are so few trustworthy options. Don't get attached to names because there are, there are guys like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, even Justin Herbert that we have historically viewed as, all right, we got to start this guy. We got to start him. Not this year. We are now seven, eight weeks into the season. We know who these guys are and we know who we can trust and it's very few quarterbacks.
1: If you don't have a top guy, you're kind of just screaming. Jason Katz? Pro Football Network. Appreciate a couple minutes. We will chat next week and we'll be talking the month of November.
0: Hard to believe, buddy. Seasons always fly by. I look forward to it, JJ.
1: Good stuff from Jason Katz. Before we say goodbye, the money man closing us out with a bang. Mister pal. What's on the docket?
4: What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a Handicapper Picks through week number eight. Can't believe we're already in week number eight. As far as last week, I wound up going two and three. I'm 16 and 19 on the air, but my money plays... We're another victory week going uh, 1-0, and going 5-2 and on the year. You were best bet to 1-0. You're also 5-2 and on the year, and you, you went 2-3 and also like me, and you're 17-18 on the year. Head-to-head, we haven't had any uh, head-to-head this week with uh, matching up with our circuit plays. I'm 4-2 against you. And our family plays, we were 0-1 uh, matching up on circuit play. We're 0-5 on the year, so we are majorly due. So, Okay, here's my five plays. Game number one, I'm going with a road team. I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals plus the 3.5. I like them uh, over the Vikings. I think that hook's going to help. So we're going to go with the Arizona Cardinals. Game number one is my money play. Game number two, I'm going to go to a home team. I'm going to go with the Atlanta Falcons. I know they're coming off... Uh, against the spread loss. Finally, they lost here, but they are minus four. I like the Falcons over the Panthers. We'll go with the Falcons. Game number three, I'm going to go with the Jets. I think the Jets are finally going to get them revenge at home against the Patriots. I like the Jets plus the two and a half. I like the Eagles Minus the ten and a half at home. I know it's a big line over Pittsburgh. I'm going to go with the Eagles. And my fifth game on Monday night, I'm going to go on a road team. I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals minus the three and a half over the Browns. So again, my five plays, my money play, I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals plus the three and a half. We're going to take the Atlanta Falcons minus the four, the New York Jets plus the two and a half, the Philadelphia Eagles minus the ten and a half. And finally on Monday night, the Cincinnati Bengals minus the three and a half. And everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's see if we got some family plays. Later.
1: Well, Jeff Money, we do. We're rolling together with the New York Jets. You're basically heads up with Benengo on a couple of games here. Arizona and Atlanta. And then you and I heads up on Monday night. Great job by Stefan. As always, we're back Sunday. Voicemails galore. Jets at one. Giants at four works out perfectly we do the podcast right after sunday night football 917-382-1151 is where you make your magic enjoy your weekend i guess enjoy the world series kind of really enjoy the football jj out be good everybody